You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. Yeah, even in the center. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm looking at. Well, at least allow the pianist to play comfortably. We wish to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations lands, which lands were previously occupied by the Seneca and Huron-Wendat First Nations. Welcome, everybody. And for those who are with us for the first time, a special welcome to you. I have a letter that I'm going to read. The language in it is language that we don't use here um, because we're a theologically non-exclusive community. But I felt it was important to raise up, particularly on this Sunday, uh, that there are many liberal congregations who work toward creating uh, spaces that are affirming and welcoming. And so this letter is from Wendy Vanderwall Gritter, uh, the Executive Director of Generous Space Ministries in the States. And this is a period in the history of the states that uh, is fractious and problematic. And so I wanted to just bring something that comes from a Christian perspective in the states that is trying to make uh, space, uh, a generous space within uh, many congregations across a number of denominations. And she begins with a quote from James Baldwin. We can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. This quote by Baldwin, a gay, black son of a Baptist pastor, cuts to the heart of the matter in the drive to follow what is believed to be the clearest interpretation of scripture on matters of sexuality, gender, and justice. The church can seem to lose touch with the humanity of it all. While Greek words are parsed and debated, that's what the United Church did, we parsed the words, people are staggering under shame, feeling the pain of erasure and experiencing the trauma of exclusion. That's not the good news of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ proclaims that we are loved, of inestimable value, and belong to God. And there's the language that uh, we celebrate the act of that and the inclusiveness of that. We simply don't use the language of that. I've been practicing allyship for many years, and I'm still learning. I am still learning to connect with the trauma of those on the margins. I am still learning to recognize how easy it is to center myself or be oblivious to the ways my privilege acts as blinders. So many well-meaning, loving folks of majority experience in the church dissociate from the pain of those on the margins. LGBTQ plus youth, for example, are 120% more likely to be homeless than their straight peers. It is easy to feel overwhelmed. Practicing allyship is not for the faint of heart but it is an amazing way to grow into Christ-likeness. We all have abundant opportunities to be an ally, to wake up to the reality of others, to step into the gap, to speak up, to support with our finances, time, and energy, to diffuse our own defensiveness, 
to refuse to be paralyzed by guilt. Generous space prioritizes justice as one of our core values. In our community, we seek to dismantle the barriers that prevent people from flourishing. And while our key focus is advocacy for LGBTQ plus folks, it also means we must practice and grow in anti-racism commitments, participate in conciliation efforts with Indigenous siblings, confront ableism, and count the cost of accessibility, and ensure that financial barriers to participation are addressed. We believe this is the work of the Gospel and a key measure of our faithfulness. Thank you for doing this work with us. Grace and peace, Wendy. Thank you. Grounded, Guided, Growing, A Time for Centering, from Scott Kearns. Um, I wanted to add one thing uh, to what Greta mentioned about the meeting with the community leaders, that two spoken word artists and one uh, surprise guest, uh, a graphic, uh, uh, paint artist, and they said something and then Greta added to it and it melded beautifully. They were saying that a lot of organizations or people try to get grants to get something going, and I can't remember the phrase he used, that they use the kids as, as their, their project. And so when the money runs out, they go on to another project or whatever, and the kids, so it's not a movement solely and, and for, for the, and, and then Greta was saying the same thing, that this idea is not, well, let's get people in here so that this church survives. Because this church may, age-wise, not. But it's the legacy of what the community that's here now can do for Scarborough. And the need that was mentioned was great. And, and right there, right here, and remediable in many ways. So it, what, I, I blended those two ideas together. It's not, oh, this is the way to keep West Hill alive. Because it may not be at all. But it's something to do with what we've got that would help. I thought that was a, a brilliant connection between, not my connection, brilliant two comments that blended together. So I wanted to say about our, de- our idea of grounded and guided and growing, I wanted to say, and, and, and this, is, this is the maybe another perspective on, on the letter Greta just read, that more and more people from a liberal Christian perspective are trying to make uh, their place is more welcoming. And I wanted to say the beauty of when long ago we decided to say that we were grounded in life, it meant that no book or no leader was going to tell us anything about, homo- back then the word would have been homosexual, gay, anything, color, race, gender. It was going to be that we would explore life and find out what was life-giving. And so people that are still trying to make their book work, we just, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to make life work. And that is much harder in some ways, but much cleaner. We look at life, who, who, how, do we, how do we guide ourselves by love? And this is what we're celebrating today and celebrate every time we come together. There are three readings this morning. The first one is from Ryokan Taigu, who lived between 1758 and 1831. He was a Zen Buddhist monk. 
Keep your heart clear and transparent, and you will never be bound. A single disturbed thought creates 10,000 distractions. Next reading is from Kilroy G. Ulster. Um, he's an accomplished trial attorney, arbitrator, and mediator. The greatest challenge in life is to be your own person and accept that being different is a blessing and not a curse. A person who knows who they are lives a simple life by eliminating from their orbit anything that does not align with his or her overriding purpose and values. A person must be selective with their time and energy because both elements of life are limited. And the third reading is from Veronica Tugaliva, um, who, at the time of the writing of this uh, passage, she was an award-winning author of two books, The Love Mindset and The Art of Talking to Yourself. Self-discovery changes everything, including your relationships with people. When you find your authentic self, those who love your mask are disappointed. You may end up alone, but you don't need to stay alone. While it's painful to sever old connections, it's not a tragedy. It's an opportunity. <clears throat> now, you can find people who understand the importance of looking for truth and being authentic. Now, you can find people who want to connect deeply, like you've always wanted to, instead of constant small talk and head games. Now you can have real intimacy. Now you can find your tribe, offered as wisdom for the journey. You walk with light. Focused Moments from Greta Vosper. I've given Scott the, the copy of this with the big print. So he can accompany me, knowing what it is I'm going to say. Uh, this is a focus moment called Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps we will get to a place where all love is recognized as beautiful and worthy. Lived with a reverence that pulls the best out of the lover and casts a path of delight before the love. Ready. Ready for the cost of engagement in a struggle some think isn't even yours. For speaking when the voices of the dispossessed are silenced by the power of fear. For the clash and violence that burn over a line drawn by hatred that can only be erased by the human hands that drew it. Incidentally. Incidentally, it might be helpful to note that the struggle is ours, not theirs. For our lives are bound up with one another's, and the pain and suffering that sears the heart of any single being, if it does not touch our own, then who are we? What are we? Dignity. Dignity is the price of admittance 
Like a ticket, it gains you entrance to the kaleidoscope that is the human family. It stretches your heart, expands your breath, allows you to find beauty in every gaze. It does this when you gift it, not when you demand it. Embrace. Embrace love. Set your feet upon love's fragile path and turn yourself toward grace, toward permission, toward forgiveness, toward whatever strength you need to wrap your arms around the unknown heart and feel its love wrapping yours. Just blossom and grow 
Pleasure to introduce our guest speaker today, Rakib, uh, who has been a friend. Uh, that's really his biography. A friend. Uh, we met electronically while he and our refugee family were as had left. They had found safety in Nepal. Both of them leaving Bangladesh uh, for different reasons. Uh, Showback because of his beliefs or lack thereof and Rakib because of his sexuality, and members of those communities in Bangladesh were being murdered on a too regular basis. Uh, and so uh, they came to know each other while they were there, and I had the pleasure of engaging with him and with his, uh, the group that was uh, arranging for his being here, members of the Rainbow Railroad, uh, who come together and bring people from various parts of the world here. Um, I'm going to just give a little blurb for our, our congregational meeting, which is taking place uh, just before you leave to go get lunch. Lunch will be there. Uh, but just before you go, we're going to have a, a motion uh, dealt with that we hoped to have done on November 19th, but we put that meeting off because we didn't have the substance of the other work we wanted to achieve then. And this one will be for us to... Um, deal with the opportunity to sponsor a transgender woman from Uganda uh, who is uh, being co-sponsored by the federal government and will be here if we accept that. Uh, we'll be here within four to eight weeks. And so we have a few people who are on the committee. Uh, Rakib just agreed this morning that he would be part of that committee as well. And uh, we hope that we will be able to welcome uh, this woman into our midst and into the community of uh, affirming people uh, in Toronto. Uh, Rakib uh, is currently studying to be a nurse. Uh, he's working as a personal support worker uh, and um, is living in downtown Toronto, uh, feeling the freedom that is his, and I am honored to welcome him up here so that he can share with us his story. Deep, deep breath. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. 
I hope that everybody know about me a little bit in short introduction before. So I'm Rakib and new Canadian and born in Bangladesh, now studying in nursing here and it's been six months I'm here uh, with my new family, with new country and with my new friends in here. So it's been a long journey. Actually every people have their own the way of life, way of journey of their life. The same thing with me, but it's a quite a bit different than yours. Because you were born in a country where you have equal rights and opportunity to to speak yourself, to uh, to do you, ha- you have that freedom of expression. But in my country where I born, it's Bangladesh. There have no gender equality, no freedom of expression, uh, nothing about humanity. So. I born and brought up here, there for uh, like when I was 13 years old, that time I feel that uh, my sexual orientation is different, uh, that uh, I feel like that uh, I, I live with this orientation and I'll be happy with this orientation. But when I shared with my mom that uh, about my feelings and my interests and and she just take, took it normally that, okay, you will be fine because uh, it's, it's not a big deal. But uh, when I just uh, shared with them, no, I'm, I'm the person uh, that who believe in that I'll be happy with a boy, not with a girl. Uh, and my sexual life and my personal life, my emotional bondings, everything's with a boy, not with a girl. So, and it was not well received that time, and it was not at all. There are there are so many things that happened with me, like uh, like some kind of mental torture, and it's it's uh, like turned on to the physical torture, and I had they just put me in a psychiatric hospital. And you will be surprised to know about that. My country is still there have that culture that psychologist association in Bangladesh they uh, released a press that that homosexuality uh, is a disease and it's curable by some kind of counseling, some kind of uh, hormone replacement therapies and something else. And I had to go through those kind of treatment for, for four years. And that time actually it was a helpless moment for me because nobody was there who can understand me, who can understand my feelings. So after that actually when I shared with my family and it was uh, difficult for me to uh, to face this challenge like with my family, with my society and the main thing is with my religion because uh, I born in a family that they believe in uh, the religion, they are Muslim and uh, I born in a Muslim family and by the religion it's, uh, it's the punishable by, by death penalty as you know about it. Even in my country also there have that uh, that laws that if you are gay or you, if you are lesbian that uh, it could be uh, that lifetime in prison uh, because of because of you are gay or you are you are from LGBTI community. So it was hard moment for me that time and and I I shared with my mom and it was not well received from my family and at the same time my friend circle and the community where I belongs before uh, like the Muslim community. And they also uh, like uh, made some uh, scene that I won't be 
uh, I was no longer available to go to the mosque for prayer because of my appearance, my general appearance, uh, it makes me easier to targeting that, okay, you are different than my child. So, so when I was 13 years old and I shared with my mom and I was getting, when I was 15 and that time my family, they, uh, they just uh, decided to leave me alone because, because of the social pressure. Because in, in country, in my country, in my village or in my, in my society, there have strong social beliefs. Uh, and they have a strong religious influence to the every family, every person that okay, you have to do these things uh, which is acceptable for your society, for your religion. Uh, otherwise, you cannot. If it's right, but no, you cannot accept it. So I had to actually I had to accept this torture. I have to I had to accept their uh, their opinion because. Uh, I was alone there, and nobody was there who can learn my, uh, uh, who can listen my inner heart, my voice, that I, I want freedom. And after that, actually, I, I decided to move because my family they, they directly told me that okay, if you are stay with us, then you have to be my uh, straight son, or you have to be a heterosexual, which I which I don't believe in, or or which is not my way to live in this world. So, and I decided to leave because, uh, because I, I thought that I, I would not be happy uh, just if I, uh, if, if I will stay there with them. And I lived there, I, I left my hometown at the age of 15 and I came to the capital of my country uh, called Taka. I started my new journey there like without family support and I was so homesick that time because uh, I loved my mom a lot, but, and and you know this, it was this, it was the scene that I really wanted to go there to to stay with my family, and at the same time the 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 differences the barriers for my sexual orientation it makes me alone to live alone there, and and I started my uh, higher secondary school diploma over there in Dhaka. And it was good, and I passed the her secondary school diploma. But problem is that when I was trying to attend my college, like for my university for bachelor degree, and when I shared with them, because there had some financial crisis for me, because I'm alone there, I had to survive. So when I shared with them that um, is there any quota for for uh, for sexual minorities in my country? It's called sexual minorities, which which word I don't believe. Uh, they have no minorities in this world. We all are equal. We all are same. So, and when I just shared with them that is there any possibilities? Is there any availability for me? And and just they reacted so badly that no, you are uh, okay. So uh, we are not able to accept you as our student because we have generally students, so we cannot make any problem in the future. So that time I feel that, okay, that the country, the society where I'm living, just how they treat other human beings. And it makes me uh, actually so bad, so regret, and so sad also. I feel so sad that, okay, where I, I born, that, that country, that society, that family, where I, I really don't have any rights as a human being to live. Uh, so. And after that, actually, I, I started to. It, it makes me more. It's encouraged me more uh, to to work with LGBTI or human rights issues, 
and I started working. Like I started some, uh, I have a group of friends, still I have that platform. I have a group of friends and we, uh, we try to uh, make awareness to the people that uh, not about LGBTI issues, it's about the human rights issues. If you're a human being, you have to care about human being. It's your rights, it's your fundamental rights that as a human being, you have to treat another human being as you consider yourself. So, and that was not easy at all for me to, uh, to change the, the environment in Bangladesh where uh, the majority people uh, believe in a religion that the conservative religion in this world, I can, I can say because I have found it uh, that there have uh, so many things which is uh, opposite of uh, human rights issues. So, and after that, there had so many challenges. I, I, I received so many threats from my society, from my friends even. Like, and they told me, no, you are, you are uh, just, just you, you, you don't believe in uh, our thoughts. So, you are a uh, devil or you are something else. So, I, I, we cannot accept you as our friend. So, and when I uh, received those kind of threats, and I, I, I feel that, okay, uh, and it encouraged me a lot. Okay, that it means that I'm doing something good. Uh, and and I started uh, like uh, working with my community that there had some uh, psychological group, psychological association. And one of the one of my friend and she's uh, she's psychologist and uh, she helped me. She told me that okay, Rakib, we can uh, manage the platform that can uh, offer people uh, like uh, free counseling. So in my community there are so many people who are suffering this kind of problem because uh, the problem is I'm, I'm, I'm gay, I believe with my orientation, but because of the society, because of the religion, I cannot expose myself. It's so painful to hide yourself uh, for a long time and, and we made it actually, still we are working with that. And uh, after that, I, when I was 18, and I found that this is the not, uh, this country is not for me now because it's too much. Because I was uh, getting some threats, and uh, the, uh, I had to stop my study. At the same time, my family they are forcing me to get married with a girl. So. And you know, I have been in contact with UN, UN United Nations and Amnesty International before because I was worked with them. I was volunteering with some projects in Bangladesh with them, and and this suggests me to leave actually. That okay, first you have to save yourself, then you can fulfill your dream to work with LGBTR human rights issues. And and 2016 it was April 11. I had to leave my country. Uh, it was so hard for me to leave my motherland, and and when my uh, when I fly from Dhaka uh, uh, to Kathmandu, Nepal, and I was feeling that uh, that uh, this is the journey that I'm I'm starting from now. Uh, this is the challenge I took for my for human rights for my rights because, and I feel regret also because in this world. Uh, we believe that there have no boundary, uh, there have no di discrimination because uh, uh, there have no country even. Uh, like the, all these planets is only for you. So, 
So it's your planet. So why there are so many so much discrimination? Why there there are so many countries? There are so many boundaries. Boundaries. There are so many border, and and we are crossing the border, and we are became refugee. So and and I I uh, flee Nepal and start my new journey as a refugee without any status, and and uh, I survived there for three years more than three years and and it helps me a lot, it encourages me a lot to do something more, do something new and I started working with Nepali LGBTI community there and one of the organization in Nepal they are working and they are so liberal then, uh, then Bangladesh, India and Pakistan they are much more li- liberal about human rights issues and I feel that it's a good, uh, it's a good place to expose myself to do something and I just used my time, three years, to work with uh, human rights issues in Nepal. And uh, now I'm a member of um, uh, the Student Forum Nepal, and still I'm working with them. So it's been a beautiful journey for me, it's a wonderful journey, challenging journey for me. And still, uh, I never give up and I won't give up uh, with my life because it's, I took it as a responsibility to do something for for me, uh, for the people who are same like me, uh, because I can understand that how many difficulties uh, I have gone through before, that I really don't expect that in the future generation who are coming, uh, like our child, uh, so they, I believe that they won't face those kind of discrimination, they won't face those kind of challenges in the future, because in this world we have the same freedom and same equality, so we have to believe it first. And as a human being, it's our responsibility to do something. And if you are a human being, and if you are good, if you are, if you can do something that makes you more happy, that okay, uh, as a human being, it's my responsibility, and I fulfill this responsibility. So still, I'm working with that. I have my own, own online platform. It's called Rainbow Family Bangladesh, but it's called Bangladesh, but uh, it's not only for Bangladesh. It's for all LGBTI community in, in all over the world. We have sort of uh, activist group that we are working together to changing people's thought that that people are using it mean uh, that they are right, but every people have their different opinion. It, it doesn't mean that you are right and I am wrong. So if you are right in your own place, that of course I am right in, in my place also in my, with my opinion. So people have to be more uh, careful with each other and then we can make a good planet, uh, we, can make a good com- we can make a good community and good world with, with full of happiness and freedom. Thank you so much for having me here and it's been an honor to be here uh, with such a beautiful human being, especially Greta. And such an inspiring human beings and, and more beautiful for me and it's been an honor to be here with my beautiful settlement team member, with my family and friends and thank you so much. It's a very welcoming country that uh, you all are living and I'm, I'm blessed to be here and I want to live my rest of my life in here. Thank you so much for having me.
we're going to have lunch uh, after our congregational meeting. You'll have an opportunity to talk to Rakib about his journey. Um, but it, it seems to me that all of our uh, refugee uh, moments are moments where we're celebrating freedom of expression, whether it is sexual expression, whether it is ideological expression, whether it is uh, gender expression. Uh, so many people in this world are trying to find the freedom uh, to do that and to live that out. And so uh, that Rakib did that and then immediately started, I mean, I would have spent the first two years in Nepal just, you know, in a pity pool. Um, but he started immediately making the world better uh, because he found that in a place where he had freedom of expression, he also had strength of heart. And so he did that. So I greatly appreciate that you shared your journey with us and that you made that journey and that you continue to pave the way for others to make that journey as well. Yes, I'll get that. Okay, one moment. This is a small gift for you, and it's kind of falling a little bit apart. But it's from um, a member of the congregation has taken, you'll notice that half the church has pews in it and half the church doesn't. Um, and he's taken the pews uh, in which we have sat, this congregation has sat for 50 years, uh, and turned them into, into candle holders. Um, these are made from the supports, these particular ones are made from the supports of the, of the pews upon which we have we have that, and so that it symbolizes the support that we offer one another, and so that's a gift for you. And this is my latest book of poetry, which has today's poem in it. There you go. Okay, if I may, before I do the sending, if I may invite Randy up uh, to do the... Um, Okay, so first of all, okay, so I'm now going to ask uh, if we can, if we have a nomination that Randy be the chair of this congregational meeting. From? Thank you. I have a say before we go. <laughs> if you'd like to stand. I remember back in 2009, I think it was, February, and I got a phone call from a man I'd never met, Matthew Behrens, on a Thursday night, and he asked if we would let someone move into the building as a, a sanctuary situation, a woman who had been ordered, deported to a return to torture situation. And uh, on Thursday, I, I had, you know, I, I can't deal with this now. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And the next day, I talked to Dana, who was the chair at that point in time. And on Sunday morning, the board came together before the congregation. And at the end of the service, and we were all dressed in our pajamas that day, because um, we had forgotten to wear them the day before, the week before. So we're all in our pajamas. And the congregation, on Sunday after the service, having heard never discussed the idea of having sanctuary in the building, voted unanimously to have this individual move in. And we've done that twice since then. She's just had a baby, by the way, and is uh, living her life here in Canada. And 
It's an example of the work that this congregation does. When you talk about nothing but values and how we want to live, fail often, but want to live, when we talk about that on a daily basis, weekly basis, we know what the answer is. There is no other answer than, yeah, we can do this. And you just did it again. So go out into a world where people often don't have these conversations. They make decisions based on a reaction rather than on an awareness. They, they make it based on the fact that they feel their world is small instead of realizing it's limitless. And their hearts can hold much. So go out into a world and take that much out there. Transform it, shake it up, have conversations that people don't want to have. And throughout it all, be people of love. Go to your lunch in peace. podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.